Welcome to Maine Policy Matters, a podcast from the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center at the University of Maine. I'm Eric Miller, Research Associate at the Center. Today, we will be following up on a 2018 Maine Policy Review article titled Our Path, Empower Maine Women Network and Leadership, by interviewing the authors Parivash Rahani, Oyen Lula Fasahun, Gomri Rostampur, Bethany Smart, and Laura Dedoz, along with a conversation with Kathy Lee, co-founder of the Empower Network. Their article was published in Volume 27, Article 1 of Maine Policy Review, a peer-reviewed academic journal published by the Policy Center. The article can be accessed in the description of the episode. In 2016, Mufalo Chitham, now the Executive Director of the Maine Immigrants' Rights Coalition, and Catherine Lee, founder of Justice for Women, created the Empower Maine Women Network, referred to as the Empower Network. Their goal was to address the isolation new Mainer women felt and to give women who have long called Maine their home the chance to interact with new members of their community. Mufalo was unavailable for an interview, so we'll be doing a reading of her section of the article here. On March 12, 2018, I stood in a room at the Maine State House in Augusta on behalf of my organization, the Maine Immigrants' Rights Coalition, to testify against a bill, LD 1833 an act to facilitate compliance with federal immigration law by state and local government entities. My daughter Grace was home on spring break, and while it was a privilege to have her there in the room to witness the work I've been so passionate about for much of her young life, it was also heartbreaking. 18 years ago, and now 23 years ago, I met a young man in my African country of Zambia. He was on vacation, and we met just a couple of months before my husband, my then two-year-old daughter, and I were about to emigrate to America. His words to me were simple, please come to Portland, Maine. It was a safe place to raise your family, and even though there are a few immigrants, Mainers are very nice and welcoming. If LD1A33 had passed, it would have changed not only his narrative, but also how my daughter feels about Maine, the only place she is called home. That day I was upholding our humanity a value my late father taught me at an early age, so that this bill would not make immigrants feel less welcome in Maine. I've spent my whole life constantly looking for small opportunities and for connections to improve someone else's tomorrow. My role as executive director of Maine Immigrants' Rights Coalition grew from working with immigrant women from diverse countries, ethnicities, and religions. Leadership is seen in suffrage, shown in courage, tolerance, and kindness, and is driven by strength end of passage. The Empower Network met regularly in Portland to connect new Mainers with non-immigrant women so they could talk about the challenges they face and how to help each other overcome these challenges, as well as to highlight opportunities for engagement in the community. The meetings offered a special presentation featuring women speakers making a significant contribution to the Maine community. On March 24th, 2018, the women that penned the original piece sat down with us this week to discuss the concept of leadership and their definition of what makes a leader. They were asked to reflect on the idea of empowerment and specifically tie empowerment to kindness, suffrage, and tolerance. Now, we will catch up with the authors and hear their perspectives on the importance of community building and interpersonal relationships. Then we had an opportunity to talk to Kathy Lee, one of the co-founders of the Empower Network to speak about her journey and the experience of working and community engagement in Maine. Uh, 
Hello, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, to get us started, uh, could each of you give an overview of your experience of moving to Maine and uh, how you all met each other? Uh, Parivash, let's let's start with you. Okay, before I just tell you how I got to Maine, I have to give you a little background. I'm originally from Iran, so in 1979, when revolution happened, my house was burned down because I belong to Baha'i community and I had to leave the country. So really, I became homeless overnight and then I escaped Iran to India with two of my cousins for safety. We chose India because the proximity to Iran and also because most people were Buddhist and Hindu, we felt that we were safer among that kind of population. And then after a few years being in India, the embassy of Iran did not actually renew our passport again because of our religious belief. So we had to convert and we refused to convert. So we became from being homeless in Iran, stateless in India, and the only option we had to become a refugee. So we became a refugee and came to the United States in 1986. So as you can imagine coming to Maine, I felt like I'm a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> For the first time, I had identity, I had respect, I had freedom, things that really even today people are leaving their country and giving their life to come to America for freedom. So I really found out my identity in Maine as a human being and being respected. And because of the climate, actually, I felt at home because I came from northeast of Iran. The climate is identical to Maine. So I immediately felt at home. I know many people are surprised when they hear I'm from Iran and I live in a climate like this. But in the north, we do have a similar, really, climate. I just wanted to mention, really, it wasn't the event that it brought me to come to know Bethany, Laura, Gomri, and Oi. It wasn't one event. It was really the desire to serve our community and our intentionality that we wanted to group with people who were doing things in the community. And that's how I feel I came across path with all of these lovely, lovely women that I have really learned a lot from them. And I have so much respect and love and admiration for them. And I think that's the key, the love that we have for each other have made this connection so meaningful. It wasn't the event because you can meet people at an event and then you go your separate way. So that doesn't mean anything, but our desire to be together and advance our community for better. It's a very special connection, and I'm glad that you um, <laughs> experienced some of the main style climate um, prior to getting there. Um, let's go with uh, Gomri next. Hi, yes, uh, Gomri came from, uh, I grew up in Iran, obviously, as Parivash mentioned, you know, just uh, 
they have the, you know, they um, uh, executing them for different reasons because of the religious and they executed us because of our ethnicity, because of our language, because of our, you know, just uh, practicing. Even we are not allowed to practice our culture. So, uh, and um, uh, so I became a refugee and I stand, uh, stayed in Turkey for uh, I think I stayed in Turkey for yeah so many months and then I uh, I came to USA and the reason that I ended up uh, to Maine one of my cousins was here and at the same time we have a similar climate you know and we have a lot of snow and we have a lot of you know just uh, rain and uh, uh, obviously, it's a little different. We have ocean here. We don't have any ocean over there. And I miss mountains a lot because <laughs> we have mountain here. <laughs> you know, I miss it anyway. And yeah, and feel very connected to me. And I feel like that I am home, especially with the friendly uh, environment and welcoming people here. And uh, uh, so... Yeah, unfortunately, uh, uh, the thing that is, uh, uh, it's just too much for us here. It's just when any kind of uh, crisis, any kind of political turmoil or war is happened in uh, uh, in Iran or in a region, you know, in general, it's uh, it, it's too much for us. You know, and I know we have great friends, and which is very thankful. And always we have them here that they uh, they are out there for us. Always they are out there for us. Yeah. And otherwise, yeah, and uh, being free here and practicing my language, my culture, you know, my culture, my ethnicity, my identity, and and imagine in country that even they are not giving birth certificate. They didn't give birth certificate to our uh, uh, to our great parents, you know, and uh, yeah, it's uh, feel like that you are you, you, you will find yourself, yourself and then you you feel that you are at least belong to uh, Humans, you you are a human and belongs to a community that you're getting support from. And then it was uh, back in 2018 that we start to have empowered the immigrant women. So and I, uh, you know, I just uh, became friends and not only as a. Patty was mentioned to it. It's just not like a group that we meeting. We meet with each other and just everyone go back home and you know just being on their own business. Now we're still friends. We are doing uh, hiking together. We are going to restaurant with each other. You know we're spending time with each other. We're eating. We're crying with each other. We're celebrating with each other. You know and sometimes in the middle of night when I get so tired. Uh, especially Laura, <laughs> I pick up the phone and give give us uh, give her a call, you know, and long conversation, and not you know, Parivas and the other friends as well, yeah. So, yeah, but at the same time, we are in general that you know the 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 role of a leader is to 
coach, guide, and inspire others and uh, demotivate team through. Uh, you, if, if you motivate the, the team through challenges, the challenging time that you they have and guide them. So uh, uh, I was very active on uh, so many areas, I should say, but mostly with women and especially Afghan women. I was able to establish uh, the uh, main Afghan women community and which is running right now. Um, uh, they have little by little at, at the beginning, it was really, it was not easy for them to uh, come along with each other, but I, we were able, you know, to uh, make this unity happen. And so at least, you know, let, to share their beliefs with each other, to be honest with each other and their integrity and, you know, just, uh, the the influence that we had kind of like building, uh, especially building the uh, skills acting women that they, when you know when you are in when you grow in a country that is male dominant country and they are not letting you uh, to be out there, uh, it's not easy to bring them you know uh, to the field and. It's it's not easy, you know, to uh, inspire them. But anyway, so it was amazing, and it's running right now. And I'm a member of uh, I'm a member of uh, Housing Authority board member. Sorry, the board member of Housing Authority and Opportunity Alliance and Civil Commission. And at the same time, I'm a civic activist and happy, you know. And excited, and at the same time, have my education and raising my two beautiful kids here in in a very safe environment. And they finished their education, and they have their own career. So, and if you want to be out there as a role model, you know, just it's very important that someone who ensures uh, their team has supported and tools to achieve their goals, you have to start it from your yourself. You have to start it mm-hmm. out, you know, just the commitment, the passion, the confidence that you have and how much you are able to give this to your community. It's, it's very important, either directly or indirectly or what kind of work, vision that you have, that the vision that it's also managed, you know, for the, the managing the one, deliver, deliver this, this vision and inspire them to achieve their goals. That's, that's great, Gomri. Uh, Laura, how about you? Uh, give me an overview of your experience and, and with this community. Sure. So I decided to intend the rather small meeting. It wasn't a huge meeting of the Empower the Immigrant Women. And I hadn't been a part of the organization at all and um, went with Japanese and really didn't know what I, as a white Mainer, I was born and raised in Maine, had to contribute. And I was amazed how all of us just really supported each other. And we were there and talked around the room and we were each able to state our to state our needs, something that we needed help with. I had um, taken in a young man from 
another African nation who was really struggling. And I was trying to find ways to help him, assist him. And so I brought that to the attention of the group. And we just really all supported each other with whatever it was that we needed. And I'll never forget at the end of the meeting, walking out to the sidewalk and just realized that we were all gathered together, a bunch of us, and just realizing that we had just made these incredible friends. Now, some of the people I knew, but not other than Bethany, not on that level. And it's amazing that more than more than 50% of the people there, I consider my very dear friends today. So um, there was a conference that was put on in part of the Immune Network um, conference that Gourmet and I, <laughs> not really meaning to, ended up co-hosting it. So I was involved in it in that way too. And again, like as a couple of the women have said already, just the, the incredible friendships and the support that came out of that first meeting was just amazing. So, um, yeah, I think what everyone has said so far, especially Parivash, is actually true. Um, I came into the country as a student, so my story is uh, a little bit different. But um, and when I came into the country, I came into New York. And I met my husband in New York, and then he got his first full-time job with a university uh, in Maine. And that was how I found myself in Maine. Now, Maine was like definitely very cold compared to New York. But um, I, I can't remember exactly how I found myself in the Empower Women Network, but I know Mufalo was the first person I met. And then I started attending the meeting. So while I was in Maine, even though um, I, I came in as a student, I came in to do my master's. But after my master's was over, I needed to still find something to do. Um, to keep myself in status immigration wise. That's one of the things we have to do with as immigrants. You know, you have to, you know, to stay legally, I had to do something like go to school or something. So I went back to community college. I was actually attending Maine Community College at that time. But um, going to these meetings with these women, I'm like, I'm the youngest. So, so everybody on this group is like my big auntie, <laughs> you know? So um, I, going to these meetings and meeting these people was like, it was really, um, it was a great opportunity to just meet people. And I found out that everyone was very supportive um, of where I was at that point in time, even though it wasn't like I was working, but having good conversations with these great ladies and them supporting me. Even at that time, I was even trying to like get a job you know, get a job who could, uh, that could file for me, that could give me like a work visa. And even though I didn't get to that point, eventually everyone was supportive of me trying to get that, Include, especially like Morfalo. She tried to connect me with some law firms because I studied law, I have a legal uh, background. Uh, so Morfalo was trying to connect me with people who could like employ me and file a work visa for me. And for me, that's like really part of what, empower women network is about you know trying to ensure that immigrants find their voice they find something you know that they can they can get to do in Maine and Maine is very welcoming in that regard and that's just like the most welcoming place I've ever lived in 
so far. Yeah, they're very welcoming of immigrants, which was what I appreciated about them and the Empower Network. And like, like Pariva said, everybody was intentional about building that bond, building that relationship. I remember when I had to have my first child, Bethany was there. You know, I had complications. Bethany went through it with me. You know, she cried with me. You know, Parivash was also with me. Laura came to the to the hospital. Parivash came to the hospital. Parivash was like telling me because my baby was in ICU for for a period of time. Parivash, I remember Parivash telling me to speak with her, even though of course she's a baby, she couldn't, you know. But Parivash made me understand that okay, she's a baby, but she can hear your voice. You've carried her for a long time, and you know, eventually my child ended up doing great. You know, she's still a miracle to everybody today. But yeah, we have that sisterhood, that bond. And even though I'm miles away, you know, and we don't call each other every day, when we get to connect with each other, we share pictures, you know, we, we connect with each other on Facebook when I post something, Bethany, Laura, Gomri, you know, comments, you know. And even though I haven't been to Maine in a long time, I still plan to visit the place with my daughter and see everyone. You know, so um, I think it's more of the fact that everybody was intentional about building this relationship, building this sisterhood, you know, and I really, really appreciate, I really, really appreciate that network. And I really, really appreciate everyone on this call for that. Um, yeah. And since then we moved to Missouri, from Missouri, we're now in Tennessee. Yeah, and like I said, it's like the last move. Um, and I've had another child. I had another child in August. And so right now I am eventually, my husband actually filed for me while I was in Maine to get a green card, but it wasn't coming through on time, which was why I said I had to go to community college. Eventually it came through in 2020 and I was able to pursue what I really wanted to do. Um, right now I'm working for a consulting firm. I work in the financial services space. I work in like the um, financial crime investigation um, side of it, and I work 100% from home, which, you know, gives me the flexibility of being a mom, being a present mom, and, you know, working at the same time. Yeah, so that's really a summary of, you know, what has that's, been happening to me, yeah. That's a wonderful story, so many beautiful memories, and congratulations on, on um, acquiring your green card, finishing school, getting the job, moving around all over the place, successfully raising children what an amazing experience and since you named job bethany let's let's round up um getting to know everyone here hi i'm bethany smart i live in north yarmouth um i in 2018 but prior to the pandemic was um as a volunteer work um volunteering through hope acts and hope house as a mentor coordinator so i would sort of like talk to people about like hey would you like to connect with a new mainer and help them sort of navigate some systems like be their friend show them around portland um, connect and just listen over coffee like to what their needs are and see if you can help or like if hope house can help um or you know getting that we can get the word out to the community and see what folks need so um, I actually attended, like Laura said, with Laura, this first meeting, um, I mean, my first meeting of um, the Empower Women Network with, along with um, a young woman that I was mentoring from Rwanda. And I think my initial thought going was that like, 
she would have a place to connect and that she would know this group existed. Um, so it's interesting how it turned out that like, really for me, here we are, like all of us connected so, so, um, strongly and she was even younger than Owe. So maybe it was just an age factor, but, um, but still, I hope that she knows that, you know, she has proceeded with her life here. <laughs> she, she has, <laughs> sorry, she has, um, I'm sure like you know, linked up with other other friends and organizations in Portland and has the support that she needs. But as it turned out, as you've heard from everyone, we had a very strong connection. Um, I mean, I do look at things from through my faith and a spiritual lens. So for me, I just feel like it was just all of us coming with really open hearts to connect with one another. And um, we follow asking, like just saying, introduce yourselves and say who you are and say a need that you have. So all of us have multiple needs, right? But um, I think as coming from, um, oh, I'm from Nebraska. I didn't say that. I moved to Maine in 1996. But coming, whether, you know, from any place in the U.S., um, as a white woman, like in that group, it can be really intimidating to like express like what can my need possibly be when I'm seeing um, people whose lives have had to, you know, be torn apart and start over. Um, but as we said, we all um, rallied around each other's needs. I remember Laura, um, I think, did some editing for somebody who said they needed some editing work done for work. Maybe that wasn't you, but I think it was. Um, yeah, and then the aunties, <laughs> as we called us, um, planned a baby shower that was at Parwash's house that she hosted. Um, and just, we started you know, connecting, Laura and I had always, um, for a long time prior to this, been connected and trying to meet needs where we saw them. But this was just um, clearly just a deeper level of friendship and connection that kind of allowed us all to, I think, extend our leadership into our own spheres even more with the strength of knowing one another. So I just saw Parvash last week at the state house. And um, I realized later, I, I think I said at the beginning to my husband, like, I'm so glad I went to that meeting. Like, I can't imagine not having met those women. Like we were, like Laura said, there's something about, I think it was supposed to be a one hour meeting and it ended up being three hours. Um, and then we were doing like selfies in the elevator on the way downstairs. Like who does that when you've just met a group of people, but it felt like there was like a reunion and we'd known each other forever. Um, so I realized later, had I not met Parvash that day, I would have met her eventually because she's everywhere all the time, um, <laughs> activating. But um, yeah, this has been a really, really amazing, amazing group and amazing friendship and amazing leaders. Wow, that I am blown away by the um, the strength of connection that just going to one place and all having a collective goal, and then and then. Um, letting your your guard down and being okay to be intimate and how that builds this community is, is just such a wonderful thing. And um, oh, you answered this question a little bit already, but um, that article was published in Maine Policy Review about five years ago. So 
Um, a lot has transpired since then. So I'd love to hear about where people are at now. Uh, and if, uh, Bethany, you mentioned you and Parivash have uh, spent time at the State House, if you'd like to mention other advocacy group or, or other organizations you're part of, um, be happy to um, share that or, or just general life updates. So you've been very busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, like, Everybody who is really here in this podcast, we are all involved. And I feel, you know, women in general, it is in our DNA to try to make our community a better place from the unit of home to, you know, local community, national and international. It's just that, you know, I don't know how to say it. We don't think that we are alive if we are not doing something for somebody or making changes in our community. So, yeah, if there are things that, you know, need support at the policy level, like as Bethany mentioned, it was um, the day of advocacy in a state house. So we all rallied around Wabanaki people, you know, because we, we believe in, you know, justice. So the justice cannot be discriminative. If you feel everybody have to have an equal right, then you have to be in forefront of that fight for those people who are really fighting it. And beside that, you know, I do a lot of advocacy around the homelessness. And also that recently we had 55 family moved to South Portland. So the interfaith group decided that, you know, there were items that they needed. So we wrote an email. Like I forwarded the email to the main Baha'i list and I was overwhelmed with the response of items that had to be delivered to South Portland for the asylum seeker. And I'm not the only one. Every one of these women who you see here, they are involved in many levels with that because we all think that it is important. And, you know, I'm on few of the board in Portland, Family Promise Board and uh, Portland Park Conservancy that, you know, just doing different things. It is not maybe so much geared towards the immigrant and asylum, but it is geared towards environment and conserving parks in Portland. It's wonderful. Uh, yeah, you are certainly busy, um, as, as Bethany said. Um, let's go with uh, Gomri. Uh, it's, it is five years later. Five years later. Yes, as um, I was uh, <laughs> by official position was a refugee and immigrant resettlement through Jewish Community Alliance. And when, as you know, that how they fragile when they come into this country and we house them, and we provide them with food, with clothes and reach out to so many organizations, other organ, non-profit organization. And even, you know, just the volunteers that they come out and regardless of color, ethnicity, identity, religious, you know, they help and we were able to uh, house 100 
in total, I think in total we had 150, but 50 of them were Afghan community, Afghan families. And in addition to this one, as I said, you know, I was very involved, you know, to establish, empower, uh, I mean, empower the Afghan women and, you know, just establish their community. They had community, but it was not very active community. It was not like they didn't have structures and they, especially the women, women were not involved at all. Not at all. I remember at the first meeting that they had only males and they were there. And I said, where are the women? And they said, no, we don't have any women here. And I said, mm -mm, I'm going to cancel it out. So then for the next one, we had only two women. And for the third one, we had just three women. And for the fourth one that we had it here in Housing Authority, uh, we had 25 women, Afghan women. So luckily right now, and they are very happy and they are running their organization. We choose the name for them, uh, uh, main Afghan woman. And uh, uh, so and, uh, at the same time, you know, civic activist as well. And working on my degree to finish it and hopefully another, you know, just the 40 units left to get my master's degree from Harvard University International Relations and the job that I recently they offered to me which is I did not announce it because I have one more exam that I have to take. I became a foreign service general. So I know that it's not an easy job but anyway I'm very excited and hopefully to be, you know, in the office officially by the August, uh, at the end of the August. And at the same time, I'm a very active member of Worldly Women. Worldly Women is under the World Affairs Council here in Maine. The same thing that Empower Immigrant uh, Women did it. We are going out and Laura actually participated in one of our meetings because we are very new and we are still reaching out, you know, just kind of like international women from different groups, from different, you know, backgrounds and uh, to participate and share their memories and, you know, just um, supporting each other. And we have empathy for each other. And, uh, so, yeah, that is five years later and hopefully in another five years, you know, be a, a president of Iran. <laughs> 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 we need a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. We'll need a new podcast then. <laughs> Congratulations on making it to this point. Good luck on your on your final exam there. Um I have little doubt in how how that'll go for you. I'm sure you'll pass it without a question. <laughs> uh let's go to uh Laura next. So trying to think from five years ago how things have changed and um, I'm not involved in too many direct organizations yet I kind of dabble in a few different ones and I had a friend 
an African friend tell me not too long ago that, cause I was trying to find my place in helping in certain situations. And he, he said to me, you're a connector. That's what you do. You connect people. So I've kind of taken that and run with it and felt like, well, that, that is a purpose to connect people that, that whether it be, you know, to services or that they um, are trying to better their career or better in this particular case, my friend's an artist and he just needed to connect with people to, um, lead to jobs that he has picked up since then. So whether it be people, you know, just needing clothes, I have a couple of families right now that are two women are having babies and just even finding some of the basics for some people when they're new here and they don't know the language, they don't have transportation is, is a struggle. So anything that we can do, all of us to help make their, um, make their settlement here a little bit easier is what we can do. So I also um, am on the board of directors of Mjambogo African Newspaper, which is an African newspaper here in Maine, started in 2000, uh, 2018. And the main goal of the newspaper is to really connect Africans here with Mainers here and also provides news back in Africa for folks settling here so they don't lose the connection with their homeland. And it also teaches us why a lot of new Mainers are here from African nations, mostly asylum seekers and what might've made them flee and why they're here and what things were like in their country. So that's that's been really near and dear to my heart. I have an African son. so. When I first heard about this newspaper, I thought this is something I really want to be involved in. So that has helped me connect to other people and just become more and more part of the immigrant community. And But we're all Mainers now, so we have to support each other. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Bethany, how about you? So I would say like, um, I'm also not like directly involved. Um, like on boards and things like that. Um, but I think just, again, I think my description of leadership in the article like five years ago was just like more pushing myself to do new things, pushing myself to step out of my comfort zone, like to make always be making new connections, to always be trying to build awareness um, of what's happening in me, but what, what's happening in people's lives that, um, is important to them. And I think for me, it's like allowed me to have conversations on a more informed level than just like, you know, here's, here's a general idea of justice. Like everybody should have these basic rights or everybody should be able to do X when they come to the United States and like, um, not have all these hoops to jump through kind of, um, thing. But even with family members, with other friends, having like just a greater understanding of the struggles and to say, my friend's going through this, like this, you know, we, we all need to be supporting one another. So I think I'm, but, um, I'd say like Laura, Laura is a major connector. I'll take minor connector. I'm a connector as well. <laughs> um, and I just going back to like the spirituality and faith piece, I just look at leadership, not so much as being out front and center as um, standing my integrity and like doing small things and trusting the ripples that we don't see. Um, and 
yeah, just gaining awareness. And it's kind of like, it's like more of a scaling in than scaling up kind of perspective. Absolutely. That's great. So a lot of these, these points that you all have made actually um, it feeds really nicely into the next question because um, uh, Parivash in the article in, in 2018, you mentioned uh, often grassroots leaders making seemingly small decisions have a huge impact on the lives of ordinary people. Uh, would you uh, mind providing some examples of some of these small decisions? It seems like uh, Laura and Bethany have have captured these these small decisions and in, in small actions, and there's there's large ones serving on boards. Um, would you like to um, elaborate on on that a little bit? Yeah. So really, in general, I don't feel that uh, this we have this conception of leadership that we think leadership is some alien or coming out of a space and making things <laughs> work better, or we have this complex, I don't know, idea. And to me, leadership is not complex because leadership is about others. It is not about the leader. It is not about us. It is about other people. So, you know, and I always feel there are so many unsung heroes that they're doing a small thing, but those small things are organically changing our community. You know, sometimes when we talk about complex thing, it's very disappointing because when you want to take a big, you know, like have a big goal, sometimes it is not possible to fulfill it. But if you make a small changes, it is encouraging because you see the result. Like what all the stories that Laura, Bethany, and Gomri shared, these are little, little changes that they are all making and making our community a better place. So I have an example that I mentioned earlier, like just sending the email, it wasn't a big deal, but the response that I got was so overwhelming to me. And it wasn't the leadership because it was about others, but people were generous. They stood up and, you know, really contributed. But I have, few years ago, I went uh, visiting this um, family in Lewiston from Congo. And I was visiting them with one of my friends who was from Paris. She was from France, so she was able to translate, you know, all of our conversation and I casually asked the woman why she's at home and she's not taking English classes because everybody in her household was gone for you know the class except except her and she said because she cannot see and I was very surprised because I didn't see any disability with her sight and I mentioned to her I said um, you can't see what you mean. She said, I cannot read. I cannot see, you know, to read right. And I had um, over-counter glasses that I bought from dollar store, you know. So I thought, okay, I'll just try to give her this uh, reading, over-counter reading glasses. And she had a paper in front of her and she started reading and she started crying because she was overwhelmed that her problem was just was solved with a 
you know, reading, over-counter reading glasses. You know, it wasn't a big deal that I offered to her, but just being intentional to make sure what is her problem and if there was anything that I could do to make a difference, which I wasn't sure that it would make a difference, but just being intentional. So when I left there, I was thinking really many of the problems that people are dealing with is not a big problem. They are a small problem. It's just that we are people who are connecting with other people, whether they are immigrant, asylum seeker. If we are intentional in our day-to-day work, we would be able with a small decision make a change in people's life. So this intentionality is very important and doing something about the problem that we are facing and not saying, oh, okay, so what? They are dealing with this for a long time and nothing has changed, so just let it be. I think that's the important really lesson for all of us that the small changes can be uh, perceived big from the point of view of the person who received that a small change. It can impact their life. Oh, thank you uh, for, for expanding on, on that point. Intentionality is a very uh, special and, and powerful thing and can be channeled into, I like how you framed it, it can be channeled into as small or as large as, as an act as uh, what is in front of you in that moment. Um, and so as, as leaders and um, yourselves and as, as immigrants or have worked intimately with new Mainers yourselves, uh, can you all speak to how leadership and community networks can help individuals and families uh, that call Maine their new home? Yeah, so um, I would like to say because I'm immigrant, what am I offering is not some vague something in a vacuum because I live the immigrant life and I know what was important to me was learning the language was one of the really the most important thing that you need to learn the language of the country that you reside in because that could also improve your own life. You know, if you're uh, fluent in the language The second thing is, I think, the attitude or attitude towards getting job. Because most immigrants who come here, they are highly educated. So if we want to wait for that perfect job that pays $150 an hour, it's very hard. (laughs) So we have to have a different attitude towards job. And I share a little story after I say this. That's very important. The another point is that as immigrants, we should not take everything and anything that people say and put it in a category of discrimination that, oh, these people tell me this because I'm from another country. So you can't take everything as discrimination because that would make our life very hard. Another point that I really want to make sure that as immigrants, you know, the immigrants are paying attention to that is just that we need to take the first step. If we want 
to become friends with other people, we need to take the first step. I remember when we moved actually to Maine, it was winter, and people hibernate in Maine, so you can't connect with anybody. And I remember, you know, my neighbor heard that we are from Iran and they thought this terrorist family moved next door to them. They were worried about their children and all of that. And, you know, I was alone. I left everything that I was familiar with in Iran. I didn't have family when I came to Maine. It was only me, my husband, and my daughter. So I needed connection, but my neighbor didn't need connection because she already had relative, friends, well-established, you know, community, but I didn't. So I couldn't sit at home and say, oh, I'm waiting for my neighbor to come say, hi, Parivash, how are you? I'm glad to meet you. If I would have that attitude after 30 some years, I still would not have any connection with anyone. So I say that we really, as immigrants, we have to take that step. You know, I want to tell you the story. My husband was doing his PhD in India. So when we came, he was working two jobs as a stock clerk in 7-Eleven, and he was also as a stock clerk in L.L. Bean. So the first job, the first week we were in Maine, he got a job in L.L. Bean. I remember when he would go to job, I would sit and cry because I was thinking, oh my God, he's so intelligent. He has done all of this PhD work and now he's stocking, you know, somewhere in 7-Eleven and I don't know in LLB. And I would not let him know that I was worried about that. So I remember one day he came home and I was crying. I would make sure he doesn't know that I cried because I thought he's working hard for me and my daughter. There is no reason that I should show him that I'm distressed. <laughs> so I remember he came home sick and he saw me crying and he thought something happened to my parents. So he said, something happened to your parents. I said, no. He said, please tell me why you are crying. I said, you know, I'm crying because you're an intelligent man. You have did your, you know, pre-PhD and all of this work while you are now folding clothes at night in LLB. You know, my husband got mad at me. He said, what is the use of PhD if I cannot put food in front of you and my daughter? He said, you know, still whatever I'm making is better than zero dollar. And because I'm working in LLB, actually, I'm aware of other opportunities because if I am not working in LLB, most of a job are posted within the you know company. So the fact that I'm there as a stock clerk makes me aware of the posting. So I have the ability to apply for better job. So really, these are the advice that I'm offering humbly, humbly is because we went through that as an immigrant. It's not some abstract something out there that I have no clue or I didn't go through that hardship. So I feel these are something that we need to remember. Our attitude needs to be very positive and not because I have PhD, I'm not going to work here, I'm not going to work there, but those are all opportunities for better future. 
can I just also say that Parvash cut the story short, but she took her neighbor, the Emil, to meet her, right? In the first story. Oh, yeah. When you were feeling like your neighbor didn't want to meet you and you said you need people need to take the first step, you cooked her a meal. And it should have been the reverse, it should have been the reverse, but it wasn't. Yeah, I made food, I with any excuse, I go and knock at the door. And you know, I have to tell you it had a happy ending because when we became friends, she gave my name as somebody in the school because her kids had allergy, very bad allergy. So if something happened to them, they would call me because she was working full time. So it had a really happy ending, but it had a happy ending because I try to make sure we connect so she doesn't have this misconception that I'm terrorist because I'm from Iran. If I would have Really, that would have been something that I would say, oh, okay, she thinks I'm terrorist. I'm not going to reach out. She would have never found out that our similarities is more than our differences. Thank you for reminding me, Bethany. <laughs> uh, Gomri, do you have uh, something that you'd like to add for uh, how, uh, as an immigrant yourself, you can um, speak to leadership community networks in in Maine and how that can help individuals and families? Well, yeah, a lot. You know, just uh, if you share your stories with them and the journey that you had, and any time when we have, uh, when I have home visit with them, because we have a lot of home visit with them, we're talking about our stories, how, as I was mentioned to it, I was a principal back in Iran and I had my master's degree, but I never afraid to go to barber food, you know, and pack food, you know, just work very hard. And I'm telling them the same, you know, just uh, they are very uh, frustrated and they are sometimes, you know, they get so emotional, they are crying. And obviously, you know, that is because of the barrier language, cultural shock, you know, not uh, they are not able to navigate with the system. But when you out there and telling them that is my story, when I came here, you know, I went back to work, I went back to education, you know, and you will get there, you will be there. So yeah, that is uh, very, very important. And then at the same time, you know, just uh, uh, it's, the, the differences is here. Some people with a strong, but uh, strong uh, educational background, and then the other one is with zero educational background. That makes her job much difficult, you know when you know the language and when you just at least a little bit familiar with technology world, this is the technology world and the thing that they suffered a lot and some of them they are dealing with a very little, you know, email address and they do not know how to send an email address and, you know, just but we're providing with uh, uh, computer classes for them, you know, just teaching them and even Sometimes you are going to their home and we're there, you know, just to help them, but they, they give the cell phone to you and they don't know how to use the app. They don't know how to do the online banking. They don't know how to, you know, just uh, send the documentation to their uh, 
and the, the organization that they are supporting to their attorneys, you know, because mostly working with asylum seekers and the attorney is asking for a lot of documentation, pictures and this and that, you know, technology world, it's not easy for them, but still, you know, uh, you know, just If your action inspires others, you know, to dream more, learn more, do more, so then became more, it means that you can, you have a good message for your community and you can uh, inspire them in so many ways. I know that they are frustrated sometimes and uh, as an example, the immigration system, when they... Uh, when they are coming here, some of them, even they do not have their own name and they change their name and then they get frustrated and their, their name is not match with their age and their name, their age is not match with their name and then the social security and, you know, dealing with social security, dealing with the uh, Department of Health and Human Services and dealing with the medical system, they became sick, you know, just so tired and anxious, nervous and uh, exhausted. And uh, but we we are there and we're trying to help them in so many, so many ways. Not only emotionally, not on you know uh, how to navigate with the system. That is the most difficult part for them. But uh, you know, just uh, I. I hope this world, you know, be just like how the birds are migrating, you know. And if people, you know, to get to this point, if they get to this point, the migration is not hurting anyone and migration is not hurting any system, anything, uh, just for make a world to a better place to live. If they come to this concept, the world will be much better. You know, look at the birds. They are migrating. When it's winter, they are flying. When it's getting warmer, they are coming back. It's for their contribution, right? And the same as, you know, Parivar said, you know, if they do not think that you are coming here, you know, just... Uh, you are not a terrorist. You are not a dangerous person. You are a human, humankind, just like every every everybody else in this era. We have all of us, regardless of the color, you know, religious, ethnicity, background. We have just one type of blood, and it's red. Yeah. Thank you so much, Comrie. I can't imagine something uh, more isolating or intimidating. Um, than trying to navigate a, a foreign bureaucracy. So having those resources um, are, are invaluable um, for people new to an area. Oye, it sounds like you uh, were quite the beneficiary of, of uh, this cultivated community. Would you like to share, uh, you shared a little bit about how you benefited and had, had support. Um, would you like to share some of your experience with leadership and community networks uh, with with folks um, who, are, who are new to Maine or, or anywhere? So, uh, like I said, when I introduced myself, I'll, um, I was trying to find a job as a new immigrant, but of course I didn't have um, 
uh, a green card. So I was looking for an employer who could file for me. And like I said, even though I didn't get that eventually, um, I got support from uh, Empowerment uh, Network as to uh, connecting with people who were in my field. And I feel like every immigrant has a story. They have a story of how they started and you know how they got to where they are now. And I always tell people who just move into the country who have had the opportunity to know maybe back from Nigeria, that you know you have to be patient with the process because it's a process, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And you have to just be patient with it. And if you if you if you stick through the process, you eventually find it rewarding. And that is what I I have realized in my own journey as an immigrant. Uh, it was tough at the beginning because I had a master's degree. I sat for the New York bar exam, but I couldn't work with it because I didn't have a green card, you know, and it was really, really frustrating. You know, I had to go back to community college. The degree, yeah, you know, you, you know, there's no, you can't, knowledge, no knowledge is wasted, you know, so I won't say that I didn't gain from that, but eventually, that was like an associate degree. I already had a master's degree. So at the end of the day, it was just like, let me just do something to be in status. But um, uh, so at that point, it was frustrating. And, and if you're not careful, you may feel like, oh, you're not, you're not good enough. You know, you may begin to doubt, you know, your worth. You may begin to say, oh, you know, my friends, they, they passed the bar exam. They're working with a law firm now. What am I doing, you know? But at the end of the day, everybody's story is different. Everybody's story is unique. And um, you just have to believe in yourself and know that it's a process. And, you know, being an immigrant, everybody has to go through it. You know, everybody has to go through it as an immigrant, whether you come in as a refugee, whether you come in as a student, everybody has to go through that process. You know, so... Um, that was what I was able to benefit from the, this network of amazing women. I was able to meet people. I was able to meet people that were like me, that I could share my story with, that I could hear their own stories, which you know eventually encouraged me to keep pushing. And I think that is what is important for you know moving forward, for people to be able to come together as immigrants, as Americans, to support each other, to keep each other going, that, okay, you've got this, you know, there's, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know? At the end of everything, you're going to be better for it, you know? So I feel that that was one very important uh, thing that I gained from the network, and I feel it should continue. And I feel um, every immigrant grant should be encouraged and should know that at the end of the day, you're, you're, going, to go, you're going to get to where you want to go to eventually. That's great. And uh, to bounce back from that adversity um, after passing the bar exam and, and um, being hitting that administrative wall that you forced you to adapt uh, is, is very impressive. And the, um, yeah, the, the message is very powerful. Uh, Laura and Bethany, you each had quite a bit of experience working with new, new Mainers. I uh, would love to uh, get your perspective on, on, on leadership and community networks. Uh, Laura, would you like to uh, start? It always resonates to me when somebody 
says to me, particularly new, new Mainers will say, oh, you've done so much for me. You're so amazing. Look at all the things you've done. How could I do this without you? And I just, it, it's always it makes me uncomfortable to hear that because I, I know what I have gained from the richness I have gained from, from having such a diverse group of friends and learning people's culture and, and just um, seeing things through their eyes when they come here, you know, moving anywhere new is so difficult, but then you add the, the lack of the language and just how to navigate, you know, anywhere in this country, particularly Maine, of course, we're talking about. And I, I just feel like I, I want to tell people how much they have to gain by reaching out, just like how um, Padavash's neighbor, you know, thought that she was a terrorist. And we have people have these bias and these stereotypes. And once they actually get to know someone, it's hard to have that same feeling about them when you become friends with them. And um, I feel like when we take the time to truly connect with others and learn about them, there's no longer an us and them. It's just us. And that's really what this world needs right now. So um, I just feel so grateful to have the ability to connect with people from other nations. When I grew up here in Maine, there, there was nobody from other nations in the Portland area, really very few. You know, I went to a pretty big high school and it was a very, very white high school. So our world looks very different now. Again, I have an African son. It's, it's just made things so much better in our family to have so many other people from other nations be his big brother, his auntie, his, you know, really connecting with others. So I just wish everyone could feel how wonderful it is to truly make our world a little bit smaller and to connect with people that we really don't think we have anything in common with because we, we do. Absolutely. Bethany, you have anything to add? I feel like I'll probably reiterate like that connection is just where it's at. Like people have to build relationships. Um, I would say like the distressing, you know, situations like Gomery's describing and just the challenges people have and just getting to the point where you're like, is this even worth it? Um, what am I doing here? Um, having, being there, being able to be there for people is a gift. It's a gift to us. Um, I know it means a lot. Like people will say like, we're their, their American family and that that benefits everyone involved but i can also say so that sounds beautiful i can also say it like breaks my heart and i know um laura would say the same thing you just get to a point sometime you're like why why are these things the way that they are and it's it's hard to have this conversation without naming that like our immigration system is broken and it's created by a system of white supremacy and like it i can't be a white person in this conversation without saying that like um it's it's painful to see where we're at and I don't know the way out um unless people choose to connect what I can say is that um many of the cultures that share like um our community now in Portland have such strong cultural concepts of community that I think we can learn from um, and people are ready, like if there weren't all these barriers, if there weren't all the, um, barriers to working barriers to language barriers, like, um, 
if, if life wasn't so difficult, um, I, you know, and we didn't make it so difficult, our system didn't make it so difficult for people, um, even they're, you know, just ready to get in there and be community and give back and work even sooner. Um, so we're talking about like, yes, it's beautiful when it happens. Um, and then there's also this like unsaid piece that I feel like we haven't addressed it. Like it can happen sooner. Um, we need to, you know, be advocating for, for changes to make this not so complicated and not so charged, um, politically and stuff like that. So, um, that might be a bit off topic. Um, I feel like that has to be said that we have to work for, um, a change. It's all relevant. <laughs> thank you. Thank you both so much for your perspectives uh, on this issue as well. Uh, as we close out in our final question here, I uh, do you have any quick thoughts for budding young leaders in this space um, and any any advice or, or um, short stories that would um, you think they would find beneficial? Parivash, we'll, we'll start with you again. You know, I think... Um few things I would like to uh, stress. One is, of course, to listen and to learn as new leaders. You know, that's very important to listen because sometimes we think we are leaders. Everybody else has to listen to us and we don't have anything to learn from others if we feel that we are leaders. But really, as a good leader, you have to be listening and also being open to learning. Another thing is really, I feel that the leadership, as I mentioned before, is about others. It is not about us. So if you are good leaders, we are not creating followers, but we are creating leaders who would be leading. You know, because, I mean, the global community is full of leaders who have followers, but we don't see changes happening in our community, you know, because people blindly following these leaders without knowing where they are going. So, and also to give vision and inspiration to people who are with collaborating as supposedly leaders with people who we cross path. It is important to do, be intentional that they become leaders and we are actually empowering other people and creating resources in the community. Because if we are just thinking about us and our own leadership, nobody is there to step, you know, up for taking the role of leadership in the future. I think really those are among the things that I've Thing, it is important. And one last thing doesn't have anything to do with leadership, but I always say if I die and they dissect me, they're never going to find the gene that say Parivash Rohani was Iranian. No gene would indicate that we are all human. So what they find is just indicating that I'm another human like anybody else. So I think it is important to remember that we are all more interconnected, more interdependent than we think we are. We have, and that's why really connecting with people no matter where they come from and connecting and forming relationship doesn't happen going to the lecture, listening to podcasts. It happens at each other's kitchen. 
sharing food and being together and celebrating important things. You know, recently I dropped my phone in somewhere that it was not very nice, but Laura supported me <laughs> and she stayed with me till my husband go and get something to fetch the cell phone. So those are the things that, <laughs> you know, make our friendship and connection stronger. And I don't think Laura is going to let me forget it because she texting me and she said, take care of yourself on Parivash. <laughs> so, I'll never let you forget that. <laughs> no. You know, I, I want to say that I have a lot of trust in this younger generation. Really, wherever I go, if I don't see young generation among people, I say something is wrong with this picture. Because this younger generation is the generation that is going to lead global community. They have it right. We just have to support them and accompany them and let them know that they are doing great things, really. So, I mean, I mentioned a few things, but I really, I think this younger generation know it all. They know how to lead. They have proved it in many areas that they know, they know the priorities. That's great. Uh, thank you for the story, this is great. Um, Gomri, do you have anything you'd like to say about um, young leaders? Yeah, for young leaders, yeah, absolutely. So always your action is louder than your talk or your speak. You know, when you uh, inspire others, as I said, as I mentioned before, when you inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, became more. So and this one has to be done by your action. So it means you are a good leader. And at the same time, to me, just because after COVID, you know that for in 10 households have lost their job, their business, and they reduce wages and hours, you know, and the rate of the death. And then uh, the young generation, unfortunately, they they are home right now and they are always uh, on technology. Uh, technology is good. It's so many ways. It's very beneficial. But at the same time, the communication, it's getting the skills, communication skills get lost. And we have to, and then the uh, the empathy, the compassion, we have to take them out. And, you know, just to learn, you know, the, the commitment, you know, and confidence, commitment, communication. To me, those are really important. And we have to work on this one in this area. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, Laura, well, quick, uh, if you have any any thoughts uh, about um, young leaders in, in the community. Um, my only thought really is to just not get overwhelmed with the idea of how can I be a leader? How can I, what can I do? What difference can I make? And, you know, as Padavash said, it's it's not leaders aren't necessarily the ones in charge. They're They're the ones maybe just being there for others who want to make a difference. And I think if I had concentrated too much on being a leader, 
I wouldn't be doing anything because the idea of having to lead and might be overwhelming to me and thinking, what do I have to offer? But as we've talked about, it's the little things that can make a difference. If we all make a little difference, what a huge difference it becomes for everyone. So I think it just do something, whether it be learning more about everything from race to different cultures to policies that aren't helping anyone besides the white man. I think that everyone can make a difference. So whatever it is, wherever your passion is, even if it's the environment that affects all of us, whatever your passion is, try and find your way to make a difference. Very inspiring. That's great. Oye, do you have anything you'd like to, to mention as, as we close out? Close out? Um, yeah. I, the only thing I, I want to add is at the end of the day, everybody um, is a leader in their own space. And at the end of the day, uh, the work of a leader is to serve. And it's not just, you know, having the title of being a leader. Everyone should be able to have some form of influence in the space that they find themselves. And once you realize that you have that kind of influence, you want to make sure that you are you are you are um you are being the person that you you you're you're treating people the way you want to be treated. Uh, that's that's like the summary. At the end of the day, everybody is we're all human beings, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're from Iran, whether you're from Nigeria, at the end of the day, we are all human beings and we should be able to treat each other with respect, with dignity, and uh, the world will be a better place if everybody has that understanding. And you, if, if you want to be treated right, you want to be able to treat people right as well. And um, yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. Fantastic. Uh, it's hard to close out everything uh, after all those amazing perspectives and insights, uh, Bethany, but do you have any thoughts you'd like to share for uh, young leaders or your community um, involvement uh, as we end here? I would just really echo all of that, like Omri saying, inspiring people to do more, to act more, to dream big. Um, Laura's points about like everyone has something to offer and OE um, that people are standing in their integrity and treating others as as they would want to be treated. I, I just think that our definition of leadership has been so skewed. Um, and especially this past few years, like what young people have grown up with and seen as labeled as leadership is horrifying um, that we need to like rebrand what does it mean to be a leader. And I think it is totally like just back to these basics of treating each other well um, and focusing in our immediate environments. As we said, um, we can always branch out from there, but we always have like a immediate sphere of influence and our, our community around us will uplift us to more if they see gifts that, you know, like that we can inspire in others. But otherwise our job I feel is to, um, be uplifting those around us. That was a great parting thoughts. Thank you all so much for joining us today. It was a great conversation. Um, and uh, thank you all listeners for, for tuning in. And uh, I hope our, our panelists um, enjoyed themselves and have a wonderful rest of their day. And we'll be in touch sometime soon. 
that was our discussion with the co-authors of the article. And now to our discussion with Kathy Lee. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Eric. It's wonderful to be here. So you helped start the Empower Network in in Maine. And uh, could you touch a little bit on your personal professional history? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Lewiston. And in those days, the ethnic community that was the target of a lot of hostility were French Canadians. I was surrounded by that whole dynamic. Um, I eventually moved to Brazil for a year in high school uh, through a program that Maine has, where Maine and and the most northeastern state in Brazil are sister states, and the program still exists. Uh, And that was my first real international experience, that is, being in another culture, because I went to a place where no one spoke English at that time. So I, after two weeks of not saying anything to anyone, decided I better try to learn this language. And I did. And uh, it just, the experience of living in another culture as part of that culture just opened up the world to me. So that was a a really important event in my life. Uh, I came back, went to college, left college, went back to Brazil, went to law school in Brazil for a while, came back. Uh, finished college in New York City, went to law school, and then became a sex crimes prosecutor. And I think in addition to the language and opening up the the world, the experience in Brazil also strengthened my sense of being a very committed feminist, watching the way women and girls were, and living the way they were treated there made me very clear about what I believe. Uh, So I worked as a sex crimes prosecutor in New York City for three years and then moved back to Maine, Uh, got married, actually got married, commuted for four years and then moved to Maine with some reluctance because I had experienced Maine as boring, as not diverse, as just limiting. That's how it felt to me for many years growing up. But uh, we moved to Portland and I made a a really exciting and interesting life for myself. I spent 13 years at Bernstein Shore, one of the big law firms in Portland, and then worked for a few more years managing the main office for a New Hampshire law firm, and then decided I want to do something else, more international, more entrepreneurial, more where I feel every day what I'm doing is making a difference. And I started to focus on climate change. And that's still the work I do as a lawyer. Um, But I also, in 2010, felt it's time to stop traveling because a lot of my work was in Southern Africa, the climate work, and spend a little more time in Maine. That was the year my father died. And I felt like he did so much for the community. I need to do more. And I need, but I needed to do something from me that was based on what I had to offer. And one of the first things I did was start a program called Justice for Women. And it's a program that brings some dynamic leader from the developing world, from the global South to Maine every year for a week. 
and the woman gives a big public lecture that's free. In fact, this year it's April 26th at Hannaford Hall and spends the rest of the week meeting with different communities. And what inspired me was watching the demographic change in Maine and realize there were women in African dress walking up and down the Franklin Arterial and traditional Mainers look at these women and they have no idea who they are. They they make assumptions that they're victims or that they're ignorant or uneducated. And I knew just from all the travel I'd done that there are so many amazing leaders out there around the world, particularly in Africa and Southeast Asia and parts of the world that people in Maine don't get to experience for the most part. And I ought to bring some of those women that no one's ever heard of here and put them up on a stage, have them meet with members of different communities as a way of trying to show that, first of all, there are incredible women leaders from some of the very places that we have asylum seekers and refugees. So don't make assumptions. Second, they're all activists. You know, they're, they're all courageous, strong, active. And I thought by bringing them here, it can help to send the message that everybody can be an activist in their own backyard. You just need to find your inner courage. So I think it was through that that I met Mufalo um, and just thought she was one of those incredible women who has yet to grow into her own, this was years ago, here in Maine, has yet to be recognized for the strength and the courage and just her ability to lift others up. And the same, this, so we got together and decided we need to find ways to bring Maine women, white women, together with the immigrant women in the communities and get to know each other and get to help each other. And it really is helping each other. You know, that that those of us who have a lot of, let's say, social capital can open doors for some of the women immigrants, but they can show us other ways of looking at the world also and how to be courageous and so on. So that's how we met and decided we would start this thing to get women, to give women an opportunity to know each other. Oh, what a beautiful life story. Thank you so much for the work that you've done. Um, and if you've made this far in the podcast, uh, you have heard the um, discussion we had with panelists earlier and you can see the dividends that were paid and the relationships they formed based on your work and uh, truly incredible. Um, and to this day are regularly in contact with each other and building uh, those community ties. And we touched a bit on community and leadership in their discussion. And I'd really like to hear your perspective on um, the qualities in a leader or, or early in when you first met um, Mufalo, what were some of the things that spoke to you as this individual is has the potential to be a leader and what are some tools of engagement if, if people are looking to get more involved themselves what can what can they do as well i think the first thing is don't make assumptions don't think you know who this woman is uh, and that's one number two whether it's in employment or in friendship or in any other context give 
these women a chance to show who they are, you know, because so often they're they're limited in what their opportunities are, and they just don't get a chance. And when they do, like Mufalu, like you know Gomri, like Parivash, like so many other women, they flourish. But part of the issue is often give them an opportunity to show you who they are. So that that's that's one piece of advice. I think you know in one of the early years when I brought um, I when the speaker was from Zimbabwe, I remember years ago, and she led an organization. This is the Justice for Women speaker. Uh, she led an organization in Africa in 17 countries that worked on food security. So we used that opportunity to raise the issue of child hunger in Maine. So try to always connect the speaker with an issue of importance in Maine. And the Empower Network, which was still very much active in those days, gave a dinner at somebody's apartment. And there were maybe 25 women who were all crowded into somebody's living room. Everybody bought brought food that they had made from their own country. And we went around the room and these women, there was a dental surgeon. I mean, they, they, they were just incredible. And they were stuck in these dead end jobs. For many, they hadn't yet learned enough English, which is almost always number one challenge to integrating into the workforce, into society. Um, but th they were just something I saw in Mufalo and I see in all of these women, uh, strong, courageous, have the ability to persevere in the face of the most incredible challenges. And, but people don't know that about them. You know, each one has her own story of, of difficulty in just getting here and trying to make it here. And they just don't give up. And another year, we had a, um, a, a Justice for Women speaker from India, who is one of the worldwide leaders in the movement against sex trafficking. And at one point, she made a, made a comment saying, you know, courage is contagious. And I thought, oh, I love that. That's great. It turns out it was actually Gloria Gloria Steinem, who said it, who's a good friend of Ruchira Gupta. But the dean, oh, I didn't say before that when I created the program, Justice for Women, I took it to the law school and said, would you like the law school to be the home for this program? I'll raise money for it and I'll put the community piece together every year. But the public lecture, it will all be identified with the law school. So it's been at the law school. So... Every year, the dean of the law school gives a Courage is Contagious award. And this year, it's going to two immigrant women who were part of those who I met through those that that early networking. Um, the, the Claudette um, and Mickey, who are co-founders of In Her Presence, which is a fantastic program in the greater Portland area that helps immigrant women. Um, with all sorts of things from English to employment and so on. So they're going to get the award this year, very much deserved. And they just capture leadership as Mufalo does, just being able to show by example, 
lift other people up and get, help people just have the courage to keep going. That's wonderful. And um, so many insights and, and you're uh, just casually dropping so many uh, groups and events um, as well. And I would love to hear. So April 26th is um, uh, there's an event going on there. If you'd like to um, remind us what that is. So if, if people would like to attend, they can. Um, and I'd also love to hear about any um ideas you have or um, for the future of, of your own work or um, any other type of um, initiative or advocacy that you'd like to highlight uh, before we, we close out here. Okay. Um, the Justice for Women Week is April 24th to the 28th. The lecture, which is Wednesday evening, Hannaford Hall, 7 p.m., and it's open, free, but you have to register. So I sent you the link, Eric, just so you could see what the program is. I don't know if there's a place for you to post it, but if people just want to Google Justice for Women, Main Law, they'll go right to the link. And our speaker this year is a very courageous journalist from Brazil uh, who, who was targeted by the former president uh, on social media. And she just embodies all of those uh, qualities. And, and the rest of the week, we'll be going to high schools, during high school, where she'll be meeting with a group of 30 plus recently arrived Angolan minors who are asylum seekers who speak Portuguese like she does. Um, and we're going to Brunswick High School. So we have a whole week of events, but the, the public lecture, uh, we'd love to have people come and join us. April 26th, Wednesday, 7 p.m., Hannaford Hall. Just Google Justice for Women Main Law and you can, um, you can sign up. Uh, one of the things uh, I haven't mentioned, well, two things I wanted to mention that the, the, in addition to just becoming friends with so many immigrant women, in addition to the ones I've mentioned, Safia Khalid, who's in Lewiston, and Betty and Vicky and some of the other women from the South Sudanese community, Angela and Dina from Bangor, Deka Dalak, who we supported going to Emerge, and she then ran for office and was mayor of South Portland, now is in the legislature. So many amazing women who've come into their own. But I'm also on the board. I'm actually currently serving as vice president of the board of the Greater Portland Immigrant Welcome Center. And we just got an earmark, thanks to Representative Pingree, um, substantial amount of money to develop a program called Women Lead. And we're going to be working on this very question of women and leadership um, under the, the direction of Reza Jalali, who's the executive director there. But I'm very excited about the work that the Greater Portland Immigrant Welcome Center is doing. And the opportunity gives me to try to continue to offer something. So watch for those programs. It's, there's an English lab, small business hub, but the Women Lead program is going to be something I hope will be a national model. Oh, that sounds amazing. And we'll definitely keep tabs on that um, going forward. And I'll put a link in the description of this episode for, for the event as well. Um, Great. And so we are very grateful for the work that you've done. Very, very impressive. And look forward to, uh, yeah, like I said, keeping tabs on, on <laughs> this uh, new new women lead group um, that's going to be established. And we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. 
Well, thank you for the work that you do. I think it's great that you take the time and make the effort to give an opportunity for these women to speak. It is our pleasure. <laughs> you can also live stream the Justice for Women lecture if you are interested and cannot attend or prefer to watch it online. What you just heard was our panel discussion with Parivash Rahani, Laura Dudos, Gomri Rostempur, Oyen Lolula Fasahan, Bethany Smart, and Kathy Lee about community engagement with new Mainers and leadership. Main Policy Review is a peer-reviewed academic journal published by the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center. The editorial team for Main Policy Review is made up of Joyce Rummery, Linda Silka, and Barbara Herity. Jonathan Rubin directs the Policy Center. A thank you to Jason Hine and Catherine Swaha, scriptwriters for Main Policy Matters, and to Daniel Susi, our production consultant. In two weeks, we will be covering Richard Beringer, Lee Sheps, Thomas Urquhart, and Martin Wilkes' story of Maine's public reserved lands. We'd like to thank you for listening to Maine Policy Matters from the Margaret Chase Smith Policy Center at the University of Maine. You can find us online by searching Maine Policy Matters on your web browser. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your preferred social media platform to stay updated on new episode releases. I'm Eric Miller. Thanks for listening, and please join us next time on Maine Policy Matters.